so nice to come back again to Albuquerque. The main reason I like to come back here is the Solomon's porch. <laughs> Everywhere I go, I'm recommending people to start coffee shop like that. You're blessed. I want to read this verse for you. Book of Revelation, chapter 1, <coughs> verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. <coughs> this is John, Christ, beloved disciple speaking. In the midst of so many difficult circumstances, being all alone, the incredible loneliness, fears and suspense, what is going to happen? His deepest concern, dear Father, dear Lord, what is the future? What about your people? Subjectively, being human, I am sure he contemplated what is going to be my end. But then something amazing happens. As he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet as though dead. Then to a man who is dead, Christ speaks, don't be afraid. When we see Jesus, the way we must see him, everything changes for us forever. His greatness, who he is, makes all the things of earth, every concern, every bondage, every fear, every question, not only answered, but all becomes shadows. Then he will hear from Christ, time shall no more be. John Forever and ever, the clock on the wall will not move. It will come to an end. Then he says in chapter 4, verse 1, Come up and I will show you. Seeing now through Christ's eyes, John being changed by the encounter with the Lord, everything changes for him. 
my brothers and sisters, we may memorize the whole Bible, we may know all the answers to all theological questions, you may know the how to being what you dream to be, but forever you will remain still questioning, wandering, held down by the pull of the earth, the lust, the dreams, the ambitions, ever learning, but never coming to fullness. Unless you see his face on the pages of this book, the mirror. Once you see him, the riches, the dreams for fame, security, reputation, suffering, difficulties, loneliness, misunderstanding, selfish ambitions, what others think about me, their opinions, my pain, all becomes terribly insignificant. When I look into your holiness, when I gaze upon your loveliness, when all things that surrounds me becomes shadows in the light of you, I worship you. As we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18, Oh my precious sister, my brother, I pray you will let the Holy Spirit take you and make you stand before the mirror, the word of God, and then he will show you Christ, the wonderful Savior. And then he will transform you from within and make you become like him. Would you do that? Five and a half years of my seminary training, pastoring a church in Dallas, finally when I found myself having learned so much Greek, Hebrew, philosophy, my people in the church, they were gripped by my explanation of the scripture. But I found myself, my heart cold, my eyes dry. When I hear about 30,000, 50,000 dying overnight in a typhoon or tidal wave, slipping into hell and forever, I talked about it. But it didn't touch me. I began to cry out to God. I said, Lord, I know so much. I read so much. My own library with books that I could read and music and everything. And he would speak to me saying, Son, all these years you spent time with the Bible. You know all the answers, but you did not see my face. You didn't understand me the way you should know me.
all the answers you are looking for. The books you read to find the technique, how to become a better husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, or a right person, a good person. Or how to break this bondage of sin that is holding you captive. The answers you're looking for is not going to be found in answers, in books, in counselors. Please, my brother, my sister, the answer is Jesus. If you see him, you will become dead to the things that are holding you captive. Persecutions and problems and pain and anguish and difficulties and poverty, nakedness. These things tried their best to hold Paul captive, to seek a life for himself and protect his own life. Save up for the future. Take care of yourself, your health, your feelings, your future, your life, your knowledge, your emotions, your rest. Take care of yourself. Paul said, Ah, you don't understand me. I have seen his face. These light afflictions are nothing compared to the glory that is revealed in me. When I see him, I shall be like him. So no problem. I'll keep moving on. I am your brother. A question. Have you seen his face? Have you seen him? If you have, how come he is so distant? If you have seen him, how come he is so far away from you? For thee, for thee, all the follies of sin I resign. You know, we always need something tangible. Somebody we can see and touch and, and say, wow, this is real. I can be like him or her. I tell you what, there's a bunch of people in the book of Acts that saw him. You put them in prison, you beat them up, you spit on their face, you starve them, you kill some of them, you drive them out of their homes, you take away the wife and children and husband, do anything and all things you want. They will say, oh, we are so blessed and privileged to suffer for his name, you could not stop them. They are red hot fanatics, maniacs. They fell in love with Jesus. Just before leaving for Albuquerque yesterday, New Mexico. This is New Mexico, right? Yes. <laughs> The land of balloons. I can't believe they're doing that. 
I was reading some of the letters that came from the mission field. You know, we have some 14,000 native missionaries scattered in eight nations in Asia and giving their life to the Lord. I was telling my brother Dave between the services, more than a dozen now of our brothers on the field last few years became martyrs. They've been brutally murdered for preaching the gospel. Their wives and children remain and we keep supporting them and send the kids to school. In Jaipur, Rajasthan, where many years ago I was beaten, abused without mercy for preaching the gospel. One of my colleagues, blood was oozing down from the side of his head from the beating he received. We took him to the hospital. Recently, some of our people went out for ministry in that area, and one of our missionaries was caught and taken to a house. They tied him to the pole and began to demand, deny Christ and worship this God. They put an idol there, said, worship, this is your God, not Christ. Deny, otherwise we'll kill you. He said, no, I cannot deny Jesus. They began to beat him. Four of them taking turn. And he was screaming out of pain. Four hours they punished him, constantly demanding, deny Christ. In his own words, he finally responded, even if you kill me, I cannot deny my Jesus. He saw Christ's face. The one who embraced the cross, seeing Tim and Martha and Mary and Skip and Linnea and KP and all of us, beyond the cross, and he said, no problem, I will, by choice, embrace the inconveniences and death. And this missionary saw Jesus, and he chose. In Madhya Pradesh, one of our missionaries was beaten so bad, his collarbone broken, several places, hands were broken, and they tried to cut his fingers off, the hand he was giving them tracks with, demanding that he would deny Christ. When he recovered from the hospital, when the leaders asked if he would want to switch to another mission station, he said, oh no, oh no, if I could die for my Lord in that place, that would be the guarantee there will be a dozen churches born in that place. He saw his face. My wife, Gisela, travels quite a bit. She's here along with some 10 of my staff from Dallas. She travels quite a bit teaching our wives, missionaries' wives on the mission field in many countries. Just recently she came back from Tripura, a very difficult region. Some 175 strong churches are planted all out of strong, dark Hindu Buddhist background. And she was telling the story about one of our missionaries there. The Lord burned his heart to preach the gospel to this one place, but very difficult. 
There was one family who was educated, a Hindu high school master and his wife. They really hated our missionary brother. But here's a problem. He is winning so many people to Jesus, he needs a place to baptize them. There's no other place except the pond belonged to this high school master. So he said, you hate me, but would you please let me baptize our people in your pond? <laughs> and the man said, okay. <laughs> so he every week he'll baptize people. And this man and his wife would be watching it. Every week. A week and a half ago, when my wife Gisela was leaving Tripura, the last thing she will witness, along with hundreds of believers, this high school master and his wife going into the waters to be baptized. <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> but Skip talked about prayer for India. One billion people. The neighboring country, Pakistan. You know, I was in India when all the terror was going on. Nuclear weapons exchange. You remember that? You know what? I really thought I will not be able to see my wife and kids anymore. It's going to be over and Jesus coming back soon. They're going to drop all these weapons. And I said, Lord, please don't come back so soon. Just wait. and Just give us a few more years because we predict at least 100 million people will come to Jesus in the next 5 to 10 years, the way it is going right now. But here's the thing. We have a Bible school 5 kilometers from the Pakistani border within Kashmir. Training young people to preach the gospel and plant churches in that state. Just as the trouble began, one of our missionaries went for outreach during that time, he was cut in pieces. 48 students left in the school. Because of the killing going on all around them, the leader said, my brothers, maybe we should leave the school and go down to the plains until all the problems are over. Those students responded with one voice, sir, please don't ask us to do that. Tens of thousands of refugees, wounded people, broken people, desperate people on the way to hell. They're all around us. How can we leave them? They're our people. We will continue to serve Jesus among them. So if we get killed, there's heaven waiting for us. But what about them? And they stayed to continue preaching the gospel and winning. Hundreds to Jesus. When we see the Lord, we are totally changed. He says to us, you come to me, see me. That is not just saying, look at me and tell me how wonderful I am. No. He means seeing him, we are changed in his likeness. We become like him. Our eyes, his eyes, our ears, his ears, our heart, his heart, our money, his, our children, our wife, all that we are, we are red, hot, committed 
to him and him alone and to the extent I must love him more than my own very life. If that be the case, this is what will happen. In John 4, Jesus telling his disciples, take your eyes off from you and see through my eyes. There's a harvest. People dying. Don't say four months and then when you are tired, when kids are grown up and married and everything is well off, when your problems are resolved, when everything is settled down, then you will do what God is calling you to do. Then you will fast and pray. Then you will become radical. Then you will sell out. When you have all the knowledge of the Bible, then you will do it. Don't you say it. Now is harvest. Ah, I wish I could take you for a week and travel to many countries and see what God is doing. One of our brothers went to work among the Muslim community. He was opposed severely by the Muslim priest. A few days later, early morning, there was a knock at the door. Our missionary opened the door to find this Muslim priest, Mullah, standing there, kind of sheepish look. And said, would you please come and pray for my son? He's dying. I had a dream last night that if I come and call you, if you pray to Jesus, my son will be healed. Our brother said, no way I'm going to come. No, 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 he went. (laughs) (laughs) He prayed for the boy and the Lord healed him right there. And the mullah, the priest and his family gave their life to Christ and some 53 people gave their life to Jesus. You know what? (laughs) If you know Muslims... I tell you, this is a wonder of the world, what God is doing. One of our students who was studying at our Bangladesh Bible school came about a village where he was the only believer. The rest of them all totally non-Christians. And he said, God give me souls or I will die. I want everyone in my village come to know you, Lord. After his studies, he went back Within a year and a half time, everyone in that village came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord. And a church was born. I was reading yesterday again about Nepal. One of our brothers, as he went out to minister among a people, staunch Hindu community. Nepal is a Hindu nation. Right now, a couple of our brothers are in prison. One is sentenced for a long time. We are praying the Lord will set him free. But this one village where the Lord told him to go, the main rich landlord of the village began to oppose our brother. But the Lord told him to stay and keep preaching. Don't run away. In the midst of persecution. One day he was going out giving gospel tracts and booklets in the marketplace. A lot of people got it. And it so happened, this man, Bagadur, this Hindu fanatic, his wife was doing shopping, buying vegetables, and got a gospel tract, took it home. The following week, their little boy, the only boy who could read, parents illiterate, he's sick. 
They took in the local doctor, nothing happened. Then took in the witch doctor, spent all their money, no hope. Now he's a brink of death. And then his wife said, you know this man who gave me this paper, he said, if we tell Jesus, all our problems can be resolved. Jesus is only good God. And the man took this booklet and put it under the pillow of his boy who was dying and began to say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The next day the boy was completely healed. Don't ask me the theology about it. God is greater than our theology look like. And the man went on a search to find our missionary. And he found him. You know the result? A crowded church now worship the Lord Jesus Christ in that Hindu village. Right now, we are dealing with the issue. Some 17,000 people came to know the Lord in one part of the country. We didn't have enough people to baptize them. What a problem. <laughs> so we ordained 21 brothers prematurely. So they can go and baptize 17,000 people. Jesus said, harvest is now. Oh, you say, Brother KP, um, what do you want me to do with all this? I tell you what. When we see the Lord and understand his heart, we never become... Indians, Americans, Germans, Austrians, Bangladeshis, Pakistanis, Chinese, we become his sons and daughters. No racial barriers, no boundaries. We see the whole world and the people Jesus died for through his eyes and our heart begins to ache and feel the pain that Jesus feels for them. Today, average, six churches are planted every day on the mission field through our missionaries. Some 6,000 people in training, soldiers of the cross, who will go out like these young people I just told about to win the lost. But I tell you, this will never, never be possible without someone like you who saw the face of Jesus and the world through his eyes. Years ago, when my brother Skip came to Albuquerque to start the Bible study, before Nathan was, 19 or 20 people in the Bible study, I came to speak that evening. The skip said, KP, I've been praying to get involved with the lost world. While doing what God called him to do here in America in Albuquerque, he opened his heart, he and Linnea, to support two of our missionaries, giving $30 a month or so overseas. Those missionaries, they began to support, planted at least one church in the very first year on the mission field. Then he and I traveled to many places teaching and preaching. Romans 10 says, All those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. One billion of India. The two billion plus in the subcontinent. 
But how can they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in whom they never heard about? How can they hear without a preacher, a missionary? Then it says, how can they go to preach unless they be sent? If God has called you, don't stop. Buy a one-way ticket and run. Wherever God is calling, hallelujah, it's worth it. But then, majority of us will never go and live in any of these places, as you saw the introduction. But you can become a sender with your prayer and tears and love and sharing to send out hundreds of missionaries that are trained and sent out. By the way, Gospel of Asia is not an organization like any other you run into. We are actually part and partial of gospel, the Calvary Chapel Fellowship in terms of the churches we planned on the mission field. And when you make a decision to join in in praying for these missionaries that are told about, you are seeing the world and acting as Jesus would. My Jesus my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. Not just for me, Jesus, but for millions that never heard your name. I give my life away. I want them to hear. tell the story about my mother. Some of you heard it, but I like to tell it every day. Because I like to hear it. <laughs> Small, fragile, skinny woman, five feet, two or three inches tall, tiny face, but incredible glow on her face. She loved Jesus. Her favorite Bible verse, I heard a million times, Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you and on earth? I desire no one, no one, nothing beside you. Her prayer all her life that one of her sons become a missionary. I'm the youngest. We are six boys. One by one, they all went to business farming and all that. She lost her hope. But when I was born and growing up, timid, shy, withdrawn. She lost her hope completely. <laughs> when I finished my high school, one day I came home and told my parents, father and mother, if you let me, I'd like to go as a missionary to serve Jesus. Before I could finish my sentence, my mother said, go! <laughs> I said, uh-oh. She hated me. Accident. Two years in North India, suffered much for the Lord. When I came back to see my parents, my mother told me the story. Son, no one knows this, but you must know. For three and a half years, every Friday, I fasted, total fast, asking God in desperation to call one of my sons before I die. And the day you came and said, you want to go, I knew God answered my prayer. In 1990, at the age of 84, 
my mother was taken to a hospital with a heart problem. That weekend she died. I was in India. Before coming back to States, I had a meeting with my brothers. And one of my brother, who is a businessman, he asked a question right in the middle of our conversation. How much money did our mother leave in the bank? He's kind of greedy and very greedy. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> because you see, all her sons, according to our customs, would give her money every month. Whatever she wanted to do, she could do with it. But she never spent that money on anything. So what do you do with the money? Put it in the bank. Where else? And my brother pulled out an old notebook and said, um, I found this diary under the pillow of our mother's bed. And he said, the whole thing is filled with scribblings with pencil. Names of young people in Bible schools, missionaries in different places, against their names, the amount of money she was sending every month without telling anyone. And he said, there's nothing in the bank. <laughs> I broke down, began to weep. Not because there was no money in the bank. <laughs> All of a sudden, I remembered some years ago when I came to see my mother from the United States and I saw her wearing a blouse torn from here to here and stitched with the hand and horrible job. And I was angry. I said, Mother, what madness got into your head? Have you no shame to do things like this? The whole world will think we don't take care of you. You can buy a new dress every month if you want, every week if you want. How come you do this to us? I was really preaching hard. <laughs> she listened to all my preaching and smiled. This wonderful smile. She said, my little boy, you don't understand nothing. Someday you'll understand. It was asked though, she walked back into the room, put her arms around me, whispering in my ear, My son, it is true, I could have purchased a new dress every month, just like my friends. But son, then you didn't know, but now you understand what I lived for, what my life was all about. The last wish my mother had, she left with us. When I'm dead and gone, the only thing I will leave behind, it is my earring, my wedding ring, and the gold chain my husband gave me when he married me at the age of 19. Sell these items and give away to preach the gospel among people that never heard my Jesus name. I want to meet them also in heaven. I never saw her reading anything else other than her Bible. She had no other book. But sometime in my life journey, when I get discouraged, afraid, question, without answers, sad, sometime I can hear my mother saying, my son, it's worth it. Stay on the narrow road. This world is not our home. We are not here forever. Give away 
Don't hold anything back. There's a lost world out there. My son, don't turn back. She saw him who is invisible and was set free from her own self-centeredness. I conclude. Please would you ask the Lord to touch your heart to see him in a fresh way? Would you pray for the lost world that Christ sought for hope? Finally, would you please as a brother to you, I ask, be willing to help us send out a few hundred missionaries that are waiting to go to the mission field right now. Jesus said, as a father send me, so send I you. Today, would you say, Brother KP, I want to be in Jesus' place, sending those missionaries to people that never heard my Jesus' name to reach them. If you say yes to that, please, I beg of you to stop by the book tables all over out there and take this card. Don't rush home. And this card simply says, starting now, I will prayerfully help sponsor one or two or whatever number of missionaries and then fill your name and address and you give it to the table outside. When you bring it to us, we will give you the missionary, the real missionary, flesh and blood, testimony, everything, the one you can start praying for. And that missionary or missionaries are going to the mission field just like the ones I've been telling you, just like the ones my mother prayed and supported and sent them out. They become part of your family, your life going out to win thousands to Jesus. And someday you will see them all in heaven. And if you're supporting a missionary already, would you consider taking one or two more? Some of you can support 10 or 15 missionaries, just $30 a month. If you have the money to give today, please bring the card. But please listen, you don't need to give any money today for you to get your missionary. All you need to do is bring the card, fill it out, and get your missionaries, and you can send the money later. As a matter of fact, there's an envelope right there with it. You can send your money later. No reason why you could not take your missionaries today and start praying for those missionaries. 100% of money you send, every penny, go to the mission field. We take nothing out of it. And I must tell you something. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel bad because you are in America, because you are blessed materially or some other way. Please don't. You are blessed. I am blessed. So we can bless others. Not that we may feel guilty. Please understand that. May God bless you much more so that you can touch the lost world and win millions to Jesus. May Jesus open our eyes to see him. And Lord, please do that for us.